products or services. Well, you're in the right place. United States Real Estate Investor is a platform you need to place your brand directly in front of your target audience. With our focused, growing audience of real estate investing beginners, enthusiasts, and seasoned professionals, you can continually reach our captivated viewers and listeners with ease. To learn more or to get started today, just visit UnitedStatesRealEstateInvestor.com slash advertising. That's UnitedStatesRealEstateInvestor.com slash advertising. Get ready to increase your brand awareness and your bottom line. Attract clients with content. Welcome, welcome, everybody. Welcome to This Month in Real Estate Investing. In this episode, we'll be covering a variety of news items, including shortage of houses is hitting some people and areas harder than others. Office to industrial conversion trend is here. And first quarter home flipping improves lowest level since 2000. All this and more on this episode of This Month in Real Estate Investing. Let's start the show. I'm your host, James Brown, and I help fellow investors reach their passive income goals through our hybrid investing model, as well as other traditional types of investing. Reach out if you want to learn more. If you're watching live, feel free to comment and ask questions. Our guests today are Brian Briscoe, Jesse Mills, and Andrew Lucas. Uh, why don't each of you introduce yourselves in that order? Just give you a little bit of your background and what types of investing you focus on. Hey, thanks a lot, James. I appreciate it. And uh, shout out to Antonio as well. But uh, um, yeah, Brian Briscoe is my name, you know, born and raised in, in the Salt Lake City area. Um, after September 11th, decided to do, you know, a good 20 years in the Marine Corps. Um, so retired from that about two years ago. Uh, started picking up single family along the way, uh, switched to multifamily in late 2018. Um, current company is Streamline Capital Group based out of you know Salt Lake City, my hometown. And over the last five years, you know, I've been a general partner on about 1,150 units and uh, looking to pick up a whole lot more. Awesome. That's, that's impressive. Thanks. Sweet. Uh, Brian, thank you for your service, man. Appreciate Thanks, it. Man. Yeah. That's why you're on time. Yeah. That's good. That's good. Um, awesome, man. Jesse Mills here from Minnesota. I am a recovering mortgage broker, uh, licensed agent, but really uh, more of a creative deal maker. Spent the last 20 years in the mortgage business, as well as an investor doing creative financing, all things lease option, uh, contract for deed, land contract, sub two, mm -hmm. wholesale flips, uh, short-term rentals, especially, and um, have a really cool system where we help investors basically combine uh, flipping and being a landlord and the benefits of both without a lot of the headaches and hassles. And we show people how to do a lot more deals, especially agents and loan officers around the country as well. 
Thanks, Jesse. And by the way, Jesse is my mentor and business partner. He's a badass. Love him. And I'm happy to have him on the show. Glad that and glad that we found each other, man. James Brown is kicking ass and taking names. I love it, man. Yeah. All right. That's awesome. Hey, that's tough to follow behind, but I'm Andrew Lucas in South Carolina, um, based in Columbia and been investing for about 15 years, started single family and just continue to get what we can get. Um, my wife and I went full time about five years ago, and now we are also teaching others how to find deals right in their backyard, getting started, finding the first two or three houses um, on the cheap. So that's what we're doing here and happy to be here. Glad to uh, share the stage. Awesome. Yeah, this is a good group. So uh, thanks for being here, guys. Let's dive into the news. I'll, I'll read off the headlines and then we'll just chat about what what we think about it, how it's affecting us as, as investors and, and having different backgrounds is great too. You know, Ryan being in, in multifamily heavily may have some different ideas about things from us that are in single family mainly. So, um, so from CNBC, the shortage of houses is hitting some people and areas harder than others. Um, mm -hmm. It would say in the, the supply of homes for sale in the U.S. is about half of what it was in 2019. So uh, what do you guys think? Uh-huh. Mm -hmm. Freaking massive. Well, I, I would I'll, I'll say, you know, from the multifamily perspective, um, you know, anytime, I mean, anytime there's a housing shortage, it's going to, to push, you know, rents up and it's going to push prices up. Um, but the the added benefit, if you're a multifamily guy, is if, if single family homes are less available or in, in the case it is now more expensive because of um, the interest rates relative to one or two years ago, uh, more people are going to rent. And when you look at the rental availability, you know, a lot of people end up choosing apartments. So, you know, it's yeah, it is, it is unfortunate. It's unfortunate that there, there's not a lot of you know, volume in the single family space there, there's not a lot of availability. Um, you know, it's definitely, you know, very heavily weighted towards a seller market just because, um, there, there's not a lot of inventory. So, um, mm -hmm. end of the day, yeah, that does push prices up. It's a supply and demand issue. It does push prices up. It does push, uh, you know, rental income up because more people are moving towards the rentals. Yeah, yeah. I think, yeah, I think Oh, go, go ahead. Say, here locally, I don't, um, you know, in the Sun Belt, people are moving here. We get a lot mm -hmm. of people moving in uh, into our area, and is less than half, you know, from 2019. And we just we can't keep up with the building. Uh, it's it's really what we're seeing now is is thousands of of new construction permits out there, but they can't get them built fast yeah. enough. Uh, so. It's a seller's market, but then on the other hand, with the interest rates going up and, and just kind of the uncertainty in our economy, it keeps buyers on the sidelines. So the demand is actually kind of meeting the supply a little bit. So the prices here, at least, and, and what we're seeing, some people are reducing. Ours have kind of flattened out. Uh, but if you look back from 2019, it's been a huge growth in the value of property. So you know, it's tough to see what's coming next, but if the interest rates were to just drop a little bit or, 
or the news cycle was a little bit more bearish or bullish, <laughs> bullish on the economy, uh, I think prices of homes can could skyrocket because the, the demand is there. It's being suppressed. Uh, so I'm waiting to see what happens next. Really, I'm just here waiting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, too. I mean, the, the biggest thing, right, is everyone has to readjust. So they're used to looking at here's what I can buy with 2000 a month or 3000 a month for monthly payments, right? Whatever their budget was. And that got them a lot more house a year ago and two years ago than it does now. And so that $500,000 home, now they're looking at 350, right? And so you got that, those people saying, okay, well, do I need to move or do I want to move? And the people that need to move, well, right, they don't really have the luxury of choice. But the people that, you know, kind of just wanted to move because, you know, um, it was more of a, a, a desire, they're not going anywhere, which is the tough thing. So I think that's where it's really important too that we look at all the different ways to help people get into home ownership. That's why I love the creative financing side and mm-hmm. ways that people say, hey, even if you can't go to the bank and get financing, there's still a way, uh, you know, especially through a program like James and I's, where we can get you into a house regardless of the bank and let you go um, and move on, right? And not feel stuck. And it's kind of like that. Uh, you know, there's just, there's a, there's a kink in the hose, right? And so we need people moving. And um, as more people realize they can move forward uh, or go into apartments, for example, they maybe have to get rid of their home, right? There's maybe a lot of people downsizing too. Um, and so, yeah, just any options that um, are out there that we have that we can show people there's other ways to do things, I think is so helpful right now, especially. Yeah. It, it was saying in the article, um, there's fewer homes available for people who make a hundred thousand a year, uh, a lot less than a few years ago in a, in a balanced market of supply and demand, 64% of homes should be affordable to buyers who make a hundred thousand a year, given that size of the population. So we're, we're off with that. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. But that, that gets a little bit into the, the economics of wages not really keep it up, you know, with the prices yeah. of the houses. Yeah. So, well, I don't, I don't know if it's wages necessarily. I mean, we did see, you know, the federal funds rate go up by five and a quarter points in the last year and a half. Um, I think it's really hard for wages to keep up with, with that, to be honest with you. I mean, yeah. uh, interest rates, I, I bought the home I'm currently in at a 2.75 in January of 2002. That was what, 17, 17 months ago. Um, so yeah, when, when you're looking at the numbers um, right now, interest rates are, are just below seven. And I mean, this this home right here would probably cost, you know, a thousand dollars more per month at current interest rates. So I, I don't think it has to do with wage growth as much. I mean, obviously, wage growth has not kept pace, but um, I think the the elephant in the room here is interest rates. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hey, let's jump to the next uh, article. Mm-hmm. Linda Bean sued for 228000 by Bulos Company over a real estate dispute. I don't know if you guys read that, but... Uh, I did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, it was a little convoluted. It sounded like she was buying a property from herself. For, uh, well, I think it, it, it raises a big question. I think the reason you, you wanted to talk about it is because you know she bought it from herself, right? I guess that's what I understand one of her entities bought it um and but the the broker assumes they should still be paid right and there's some there's probably a lot of information we're not being told you know how much 
of that entity does she own? Is she a 1% partner, right? Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, you should probably pay her commission. Um, did you just swap it for estate purposes? Well, mm -hmm. if you moved it off the market, technically that broker probably should be paid something, right? Um, just to do good business. But uh, I think it's opening a big can of worms for people uh, to get really particular with their contracts, which I don't think in real estate has been done. And, and Jesse, you might could talk to that. A lot of agents out there, they use the contract, but how many of them actually read through it and hold their clients accountable to it? Yeah, no, that's a great point, Andrew. hundred percent. I mean, <laughs> and a lot of people just kind of do what their mentor told them or someone that trained them in. Right. And uh, I mean, you should know everything that you're signing and absolutely everything that you're telling your clients to sign. And if you don't know the reason why you're signing something, you don't just go, well, let's sign and move on. I mean, that's that's poor business, uh, you know, uh, way, ways to work. So and I think a lot of folks too forget this is actually something we talked with um, our broker on just a couple of weeks ago. You know, we move a lot of properties ourselves through our brokerage. Um, I am not a broker. I'm with eXp. I don't want to be a broker. I have enough mm -hmm. on my plate. I don't want to babysit other agents and have more uh, more of that on me. That's my personal uh, you know, choice on it. But but a lot of people kind of forget there's a there's this disconnect. Like it's not the agent doing things. It's the broker, right? The broker is the name on everything. And it has to run through the broker. And brokers aren't you know, doing this for free. And so even if it's your own transactions, they still need to get compensated something. And Obviously, this was something where, you know, that got forgotten about or, uh, you know, who, who knows, right? But they're, they're trying to get around something or forgot about something, right? Well, I mean, we, we get one side of the story is, is what I'm totally. looking at. And you know, I'm, I'm, I'm the one person that, uh, you know, is definitely not a broker in the room. But, you know, when, when you look at it, it depends on the entities. You know, a lot of people will do like drop and swap entities instead of regular sales or, you know, when they recapitalize, they're going to move it from one. I mean, you you'd sell it to yourself to recapitalize like, hey, we're, we're, we're getting rid of some of our equity partners or whatever or refinancing or or for some reason you can just do that entity swap and and sell it from one entity to another. But I mean, if, if she's in control of one entity and she's uh, selling it to an entity that she's also in control of, um, you know, I I would like to see more facts here, to be honest, before we. Um, I mean, end of the day, you know, let's let's see what that transaction really was um, and how much the uh, the broker was actually involved in it. Yeah, some speculation. Well, there. And, 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 you know, businesses can buy and sell without having to yeah. run through a broker. Everyone thinks it has to go through a broker. It doesn't. Um, yeah. You know, advised to use a broker or advised to use an attorney. Uh, if that's not what you do day in, day out. Right. But if it goes through a broker, then, yeah, they're. Mm -hmm. They're responsible for everything that goes with it. Mm -hmm. yep. yeah. mm -hmm. Well, let's jump into the next uh, article from Business Insider. Billionaire investor Jeff Green made $800 million betting against the last housing bubble. He just rang the alarm on U.S. real estate again. So, um, well, there's been yeah. a, lot of, a lot of that lately. <laughs> right. <laughs> Yeah. You know, I mean, a lot of people are predicting things, you know, and I, I don't know who Jeff Green is. I, I did, you know, looked at the article. OK, yeah, he made a lot of money on, on the last, you know, housing bust. Um, does that necessarily mean that he's right right now? I don't think so. Um, 
You know, I I heard somebody from the stage, somebody that I I know well and, and respect at, at a recent conference say, you know, hey, if I could go back to the peak of the market in 2007, I would still buy everything I could get my hands on. You know, when you look over time, there are going to be ups and downs in the markets. Um, but you, the winners are the ones who are able to to withstand that, you know, so um Right now, I'm still buying. And, you know, if, if Jeff Green wants to predict a downturn, that's not going to change how, how I'm doing things. Um, we're looking for long term fixed rate debt. Um, and, and right now, uh, fortunately, in the multifamily space, most uh, commercial loans are assumable. So, you know, in the last couple of properties we've purchased, we've come in with the assumable debt, um, you know, numbers that start with a three, you know, and Usually you were coming in with with products that have, you know, six to six to 10 years left on the loan. So if the market crashes, OK, great. But, you know, six, eight, 10 years from now, I'm still going to be OK. And, and the market is if, if history is any indication of what the future is going to be, the market's going to rebound. It's going to keep going up and I'll be good. That's interesting. Yeah, I was wondering how you guys are being affected because I knew there was a lot of like those shorter term debts that were yeah coming well, I, due, so yeah I I was very fortunate we we had a couple of you know lending partners you know small banks and credit unions um, one actually uh, in in South Carolina that we use several times um, mm. we actually have a lot of properties in South Carolina so um, anyway. Instead of giving, getting the variable rate debt, we were able to get fixed rate products, you know, very similar to the bridge structure that, you know, a lot of people are talking about right now. And all the defaults are on the, the bridge loans that traditionally come with variable rate debt. And, you know, we were able to lock in loans in, you know, the high threes, low fours on fixed terms, you know, over five years when we, we purchased those properties. So, mm -hmm. um yeah, we, we haven't been stung by it, fortunately. I know a lot of people that have. And, uh, you know, we're, we're still able to, you know, make our, our mortgage payments. And, you know, a lot of the properties right now, we're we're selling a couple and we're, we're still making pretty good money. Yeah, that's good yeah. to hear. I, 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 like, uh, I like your sentiment on that, Brian, a lot. Right. And I, I agree with you. I think real estate is not a quick game. Um, I mean, it can be sometimes with certain strategies, right? But then it's not really real estate. Then it's not really investing, right? If you're flipping yeah. paper, flipping properties, um, you know, it's not truly investing. So if you're in it for the long haul mm -hmm. um, and you're not selling because you don't need to, right? You have low equity, you have low payments, you have strong cash flow, you have strong reserves, right? This is why when you're you know, getting financing, they ask what your reserves are, how many months you can cover. That's why they want a bunch of money down, Right then it's it's up and down it's like stocks right i don't care if the the share price is a thousand dollars a share down to 200 a share if i'm not selling it i don't care right mm -hmm. and in the future it should hopefully go back up or at least higher than it should be um and nonetheless it's it's not a concern to me and really about that strong cash flow so mm -hmm. i think you know i was doing mortgages back during the crash that was super fun right <laughs> but every everyone you know that had oh i got five properties 10 properties 20 30 properties right they were all buying a speculation they're all buying an appreciation they weren't cash flowing or if they were making anything it was barely paying anything mm -hmm. and so and, and and yeah brian to your point those people you know had a lot and now they got rid of them or were forced to get rid of them and now you're starting all over again so yeah. i think the fundamentals are being in a good spot to begin with, 
Yeah. Um, and, and there are deals out there. And when this kind of stuff happens, there'll be more deals for the people that know what to look for and how to find them and how to get them. Yeah, exactly. I, I want to add to that first, Brian, I need to know who those lenders are here in South Carolina. So I go meet them, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but you know, I always, and, and I'll just kind of tease this a little bit and, and maybe cause some controversy, but I always want to know, you know, who's saying these things, what, what is their angle or whatever. And, mm-hmm. and the guy made his money from the, the downturn. So like the downside, right. Mm-hmm. He's going to predict another downside. I'm willing to bet that he has some bets, some money <laughs> invested somehow exactly. to profit on a downturn. So, <laughs> you know, it's a little bit of, what who's talking to us right here? You know, um, it's not hard to throw out a prediction of uh, real estate difficulties coming soon, right? The market or the um, interest rates are super high. Clearly, things have slowed down. Uh, that doesn't necessarily mean we're going to go anywhere near to 2008 <laughs> crash. Uh, but, who, you know, where would he benefit on that? I don't know. Uh, but one of the good things, and I think you just said it, Jesse, is like, yes, things are going to change. Real estate markets and most you know, all markets aren't supposed to go up, 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 up forever. Uh, there's got to be a little bit of give and take. And I think we're going to be looking at some deals coming available um, for people that need to sell because they got into bad debt or they got into a property that wasn't cash flowing. And the new person coming in trying to get that deal uh, can creatively create a good deal or get better financing or come in better capitalized. So that's what we're looking for is, is what's there now in today's market, make a, make an offer on what makes sense today. I don't care what you paid for it two years ago. And, and James, if I, if I make one more point, yeah. uh, you know, the Jeff green, a lot of the arc article focused on office space, you know, commercial office. So when he talked about the commercial real estate space being ready to implode um, all of his evidence and all everything cited was in the office space. And we are going to be talking a little bit later about office to industrial trends, but you know, when, when you look at commercial real estate, you know, there are several different categories. You have multifamily industrial office retail and, you know, hospitality depends on how far you want to break it down. You could probably, you know, go a couple more subcategories, but end, end of the day, you know, what was cited in the article was, all in office. And yeah, there are some problems with, uh, you know, the office uh, category of commercial real estate. Mm-hmm. You know. Let's jump into the next article from the Associated Press. Eviction filings are 50% higher than they were pre-pandemic in some cities as rents rise. Um, it listed out... Uh, Houston is being 56% higher. Um, Minneapolis, where Jesse is, rose 106% mm-hmm. in March. Um, Nashville, Phoenix, Rhode Island, we're all, we're all in there. So, Well, I think so, it's interesting how it says some states, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So we, I mean, you know, it's been very interesting, right, in the last three to four years, the population moves has been crazy. And I think even on that ad, there's a pop-up, right? For where people are fleeing, mm-hmm. states are fleeing from, where they're going to, uh, why they're going there, why they're fleeing. And that could be a whole fun episode right there, can it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. um, but, uh, especially if we get some, you know, some viewer comments uh, in there, right? 
but it's it's interesting how certain states are not being affected by this as much and others are and i think you know this is my my uh, opinion on it but there's just so much more going out there to folks to say you know what don't worry about paying your stuff we'll take care of you and it's becoming more of an expectation or a norm than uh, than getting it done mm-hmm. and i think you know having a moratorium tying landlords hands for uh, a number of months or years um is something that you know we're still feeling the effects and we're going to feel them for a while and this is why i've got some you know investors i work with and some mentors uh of mine even that they're they're getting out of that sector they're going into something like commercial they're going into something where it's shark against shark because consumer power is getting so so big and not to say they shouldn't have rights and and that they should be you know everyone should be treated great and fair and you know um but <laughs> it's starting to get a little lopsided on the people that are, you know, the one providing these things, right? That's, that's why the government puts those tax advantages out there is for people to risk their butts being on the line with their money and, and their business and their reputation and whatnot. Yeah. Mm -hmm. On on this one, you know, I, I liked uh, two, two comments, you know, uh, one, one's about the headline, you know, headlines are designed for people to click. You know, and that's it. So I think there might be a little clickbait on this one. And, uh, you know, it was already mentioned that, you know, it says some cities very specifically. But the other thing I'd like to point out is it says compared to pre-pandemic levels. You know, where were we pre-pandemic? We were at 50-year lows in unemployment, you know. And when when you have, you know, like I I think we were like 3.2%, you know, nationwide on unemployment. Um, when you have that type of unemployment rate, you know, you're not going to have a whole lot of evictions. So, you know, being 50 percent, you know, having having eviction rates rise by 50 percent from, you know, the lowest unemployment rate that we had had in, in a 50 year period to me isn't news. You know, it's just like, yeah, we were at like a near all time low. So it's got nowhere else to go but up. Right. So, um, yeah, that's that's not really a news article. Um, And it it is very local. Um, I invest a lot in Salt Lake City. And I mean, Salt Lake City right now, their eviction rate is right on par with pre-pandemic levels. So, you know, real estate is local. Yep. Some cities are above the historic low, which is to be expected. Um, Other cities are, you know, still still on par. Good point. All right. Uh, anything else from you guys on that one, Andrew? Yeah, I just it, it's just funny. You know, it's clickbaity. I guess it's mm-hmm. it's pre-pandemic. Everything is different from pre-pandemic, um, and we like to and we still do it in our in our agency here. Where we'll compare. You know, what was the market like? Mm-hmm. But guys, that was four years ago. That was pre-pandemic. If you use that, uh, there's been so much change, uh, and for it to only be up. 50% is I'm, I, I'm looking at, that's a positive thing because we had two or three years of backlog mm-hmm. of evictions, people that should have been evicted um, that maybe they were tried to be evicted, but actually the court wouldn't let it go through, you know, give them a chance and, or they got some assistance and now here we are, that assistance is running out. So I look at it as if it's, even though it's not here, it's, it's definitely not in our area. If in these big cities, like what they're quoting, it's only 50% higher, then that's probably a win uh, for, for most people. Uh, if you really actually drill down to it for two two or three years of no eviction, uh, we got a long ways to go. So that, that number might get a little worse for those cities. Hmm. Yeah. 
Cool. Well, uh, let's take a break to learn from one of our sponsors. Hey, it's me, Antonio Holman, founder of United States Real Estate Investor and producer of This Month in Real Estate Investing. Are you ready to ignite your financial freedom with what has been called the hottest REI strategy around? Or should I say strategies? Enter Jason Pallister's two-day investment blueprint where you will learn the secrets that the real estate investing community doesn't know because they never had a reason to before. With Jason's two-day investment blueprint, you will learn how to tackle real estate deals with over 40 different strategies, which means your chances of losing another deal nearly disappears completely. In Jason's two-day life transformation intensive, you will learn how to generate more deals, close deals faster, win more deals over other investors, multiply your real estate deal strategies, and much more. Jason's two-day investment blueprint can help you grow your REI business to six and seven figures faster with much less aggravation. If you want to learn how to invest in any market in the United States, even the tough markets, and close multiple deals per month, visit twodayblueprint.com. That's the number two, dayblueprint.com. And make sure you tell them you heard it here on This Month in Real Estate Investing. Don't believe the no more good deals hype and visit twodayblueprint.com today. Now back to James with this month in real estate investing. All right, let's get back to the news. Uh, the next article is from Commercial Observer. The office to industrial conversion trend is here. Uh, this was interesting to me because uh, we we've talked about office to residential a couple different times on this show, and so this is another way to to think about converting those office spaces that uh, are sitting empty. What do you guys think? You know, so, yeah, something that uh, the, the last order, one of the previous articles mentioned is that office space is, is having a hard time, you know? And so there, there, there's a lot of offices, you know, I've seen reports of, you know, skyscrapers in certain cities being, being purchased at, you know, 25 cents on the dollar versus the last, last time it traded, you know? So, you know, what, what's happening right now is there's, there's a building and it's nearly vacant and you can get it for a lot less. And so, yeah, a lot of these conversions are happening because of, of the new basis price on these buildings. So people are looking at, okay, I can pick this one up at, you know, X amount of dollars per square feet. And, you know, the, the renovation is going to cost Y dollars per square feet. This is this is still going to make us money. We'll be able to sell it, you know, as industrial or we'll be able to sell it as multifamily. So, yeah, it, it does make a lot of sense, you know, going from, you know, commercial office to, you know, anything else commercial where, where the numbers work. Yeah, I think um, I think this is a pretty interesting evolution uh, as we continue to kind of watch and step step back and watch. Um, but if if you think about the retail to con, uh, industrial conversion or, or to storage is what I think about the most mm -hmm. where all the Kmarts, uh, if they, I don't know if they had those in, have those in Utah, but all the Kmarts are in the storage, did. Did. storage units here. And, and, but it's the same thing. It's there's, they became so cheap that why not use it for storage? Cause it's big, it's open. And the price point of that property is now what the storage facilities we're looking for for a price point well same thing with office moving to industrial those price points are coming down just like you said and so 
what can we use it for? Well, if it costs a lot less, we don't have to fill it up with people and charge a higher rent. We can store stuff in it or, or it go industrial. And I'm interested to see this one was kind of intriguing for me. Is I'm interested to see the city center mm-hmm. office spaces um, that now may be converted to industrial or something else and bring new services into the city. So I, I'm interested to kind of see where that goes, but it's just the evolution of, of real estate, right? There's a building there. The cost is a little cheaper now. Yeah. They did point out like when it is in a city center, getting trucks into yeah. there, like it's maybe going to have to be like light industrial, not heavy industrial or distribution where you got to get big noisy trucks in or, yeah. or if it's in a, a residential type area, same thing. Like neighbors are going to be like, what the hell? Like, <laughs> they're going to have to, yeah, get that permitted. No, I, I do think the. Uh, I mean, the 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 conversion from office to multifamily is going to be easier. You know, if you look at what the typical yeah. apartment looks like, you know, uh, I mean, you just put up different walls in different spots, and you you have. Um, I think it's, it's going to have to take a a more specific type of of office to convert it into industrial. Those you're usually you're going to have, you know storage bays and, and different types of, you know, different ceiling heights. I mean, most industrial, you know, real estate I've walked in, you know, doesn't have, you know, typical eight to 10 foot ceilings. Um, mm-hmm. They're a lot higher. So I, there, there's, there's definitely going to be more work putting these together or, you know, maybe it's going to be a little harder finding just the right office building to convert it to industrial. Um, but I mean, yeah, I go back to what I said earlier. You, you can buy a lot of office space for cheap right now. So if it's if it's convenient to to convert, why not? Mm-hmm. Yeah, this reminds me. Um, I saw an article the other day similar to this, mm-hmm. talking about malls, strip malls, mm-hmm. and malls around the country, mm-hmm. and how um, you know this one got converted. I think it was a Sears, right? Remember them? Uh-huh. <laughs> <And> <laughs> Sears is now a like um, pet adoption um, uh, you know, business. And then there was another that had a public library in it. And so they're doing all these different things with the malls. Um, and I think this is, it's really interesting, right? Because so many investors out there, especially newer folks to the space, like I got to go find the deals, find the deals, find the deals. But I think those who have been around for a while and are seasoned more can stop and think, where do I create the deal? And how do I go turn something that is, you know, and I know it sounds, you know, cliche, but someone would be willing to spend a lot of money on that, but it's not the person that's there now. Right. Mm-hmm. And someone else has a problem and, and and they're bleeding money and they need to get out of it. And how can you just go take this person that's looking, this person that's in a bad spot and, you know, combine it together. And uh, instead of having to go try to find the deal, you can create the deal, make the deal. A lot of arbitrage uh, options out there too, mm-hmm. you know, and then you've got, you know, companies like Amazon that are always looking for more storage places and, you know, doing distribution centers and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, what if you could come in and control that piece, even for a very little down and control that. And all of a sudden now, you know, you're paying that debt coverage on one and you're getting that new thing. So it's it's some pretty cool things to kind of really, you know, stop and kind of try to wrap your head around where the um, opportunities might be. Yeah. All right, let's jump into the next one from The Street. The top countries for Americans buying real estate abroad. Um, it was based on uh, like Google searches mm-hmm. from the U.S. And uh, it was a long list. 
kind of at the top was Italy, Costa Rica, Mexico, Portugal, um, Jamaica, just on and on. Um, and, and definitely higher income earners mm -hmm. looking outside the country as for options. So, yeah, I mean, who doesn't like Italy? Who yeah. doesn't like Italy? Right. <laughs> right. Um, Italy's number one on my list too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's fantastic. Right. I think, um, I think a lot of folks, a lot of folks in our country yeah. are getting, getting concerned and nervous where things are going. I think they're seeing, you know, the, the, the world is a much tighter place than it used to be. And you can run your business, especially the beautiful real estate business that we're in from anywhere. And I think this is going to be a big trend and in, in getting more and more interesting to see the places people are going. Obviously, if you look at the list, it's all places you want to spend your time, right? People yeah. aren't going to Minnesota, <laughs> even though it's like another country, right? They're getting out of the cold. They're going to the beaches. They're going where, you know, maybe it's a little slower pace of life, right? Mm -hmm. um, you've got a lot of Latin American countries in there. You've got Europe and people um, want to, I think COVID shook a lot of people up, right? Mm -hmm. Shook a lot of people up and said, oh my God, you know what? There's more to, uh, to life than just work. And I want to have a good quality of life. And, and that can be in those other places. Yeah, I th this is one that uh, I've, I've got mixed feelings on. I don't I don't think investing other places is for me personally. Um, I spent uh, eight or ten years as an international affairs officer for the Marine Corps, and uh, um, I, I've traveled a lot of places and studied a lot. But there there's added layers of complexity that come in. I mean, um, we fought lots of wars over real estate, you know, and lots of wars over you know, countries changing their mind on real estate. You know, you look at the banana wars in the, you know, about a century ago, and a lot of those were fought over countries taking, you know, land from U.S. landowners. So, you know, one, one, of, the th one of the nuances there is you just have to make sure you understand the political dynamics of the country that you're, you're investing in. Um, the more stable political systems are going to be safer. You know, so I think a lot of Western Europe is going to be a lot safer than Latin America um, just because of the stability of the governments. And then the other part of that is, is there's currencies to deal with. You know, um, a lot of countries, Italy, you know, in, in recent memory had a currency crisis, you know. And so when, when countries have currency crises like that, you know, you got to look at the other implications as well. You know, so a lot of Latin American countries also had a currency crisis. You know, so you're buying in one currency and you're living in the U.S., you know, making income off of another currency. Um, th there's just a lot of nuances there that you have to consider. And, you know, for me right now, I, I think it's just a little bit too complicated uh, for my tastes. Yeah. I, you know, yeah. Portugal has been in the news recently because I think it was a visa issue that they've yeah. put the brakes on. I know some people that actually moved over there yeah. recently and some other people that have been investing in Portugal yeah. now. I mean, would I eventually buy a place for myself? Maybe, but, uh, you know, maybe, maybe not an investment property. Hmm. Yeah. I think, I think, uh, you know, that's based on Google searches or whatever, you know, you got to think about the TV commercial or TV shows, the HDTV that to make it look really nice to live over there. And, Oh, it's so cheap and easy. Uh, but Brian, you hit on all the things that was, that were concerned concerning me. And I'm like, it's hard enough for me to buy something in like North Carolina. Uh, there's no way I'm going to buy an investment that I don't know what the country's doing. You know, are they mm -hmm. going to take my property? Cause I don't 
vote there. You know, there's so many different things, so many different risks uh, that either you got to have nothing to risk or have so much that that risk is tiny. Uh, and I'm not in either one of those buckets. So it's yeah. not for me, but it sure would be fun to visit. <laughs> and if you guys buy something, let me know. I'll come visit anytime you, anytime you like. I look yeah. at I look at James like with EXP, right? So we've got folks all over the globe um, in other areas. And, um, you know, that's one thing that I have uh, spent some time thinking about in the past is I, I've been lucky to travel quite a bit around the world. And I, I love travel. I love other cultures and other countries and um, any excuse I can go and it's paid for, uh, especially paid for by other people. I'm pretty happy about that. But there's a lot of uh, you guys make some really good points. And there's a lot of things that uh, to unpack and that you could get into. And so I think it'd be really interesting for the right person. Maybe it's no one on this show right now, but um, <laughs> that could be a great niche, right? Um, being the kind of bridge between, you know, say us and Costa Rica, knowing everything there's to know about Costa Rican real estate and, you know, the people and, right, and uh, financing and you've got all the connections could be pretty cool. And I know there are some, you know, s- small groups of people doing stuff like that, especially like in the Caribbean yeah. and stuff, kind of kind of fun. Totally. Should we jump to the next one um, from Seeking Alpha Real Estate Reckoning? <laughs> Doom and gloom. Yeah. They did mention the dramatic shift in how buildings are being used, the surge in interest rates, uh, bank failures, and a looming recession. What do you guys think? Well, I think, was it, um, Andrew, I think you brought this point up earlier, right? You know, you always got to look at who's writing the article. Yeah. Who's writing the article? Who's writing the clickbait? You know, and um, that's a cool thing about opinion. Someone's going to be right in hindsight, right? <laughs> so where, where are they going with it? And, and again, I think like anything in life, it's about education and smart decisions. And I think that um, it's a good, the people that don't want to get into it shouldn't do it anyways. The people that are going to do it, there's there's better ways to buy. There's smarter ways to buy. And um you know, there's a lot of things you can't control, but you sure as heck can't control the market, right? You can't control stocks and bonds. And um, I think I think for everyone right now, it's an important reminder. Things are um, in flux a lot more than they seem to have been in the last few decades. And having your personal affairs in order with low debt, multiple streams of income, right? And, um, and, and, and liquidity, I think is really good, um, especially as these things come. But it's opportunities as well, right? right? If and when it really happens again, and it will, of course it will, right? But it's opportunities too. Yeah. It's like after 08, there's a lot of opportunity. Somebody made $800 million, <laughs> apparently. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Good point of that. Yeah, I think, Go yeah, the, the, the word reckoning, you know, it's, it's there to get you to click. Um, I don't think it's much... Uh, much information that we're not already thinking about. You know, we're, we all know that this is coming, but it's putting some numbers to it. Um, mm-hmm. But it, again, it's it's the opportunity. Where Where is the opportunity? You can't, I don't know who said this first, but you can't wait to buy real estate, right? You buy real estate mm-hmm. and you wait. Well, mm-hmm. where are you buying now that in the future is going to be worth more? So, you know, what we are teaching and, and our agents and our clients and stuff is, is, evaluate the property today based on today's value what you can do with it today 
make sure you're cash flowing and buying it good today and let tomorrow take care of itself. Because the only way to lose money really in real estate is to get out too soon. You, you stay in there long enough and you'll, you can catch your money back up. So that's kind of what we're at is the patient long-term approach, uh, which I think they mentioned something about that here, mm -hmm. yep. uh, that if you stay patient, there are deals that are going to happen. And yes, there's a lot of loans maturing uh, mm -hmm. in the commercial space. And I'm sure Brian, you probably know more about that mm -hmm. than we do, but uh, not all of those loans are bad. Like those, many of those loans, they knew they were going to mature and they're cash flowing and they're happy with the mat mature date that's coming and it's not a big deal. So. Yeah. I mean, it's, it is interesting. I do think it was a little clickbaitish, you know, a reckoning, um, you know, may, maybe I think a reckoning is a little worse than, you know, other people think reckonings are. Um, yeah. But yeah, there's, there's always opportunities to invest. And um, I think there, there's two different philosophies. I know some people that are very quick to try to move to where the opportunities are and, you know, good for them. Um, I, I tend to, be like the tortoise, you know, in the tortoise and hare story or the hare, is it the hare and tortoise story or tortoise and hare? I don't know. But uh, like the tortoise, right? Where, you know, slow and steady wins the race. And, you know, I'm still buying multifamily. Um, I think, I think there, there's a lot of the, the fundamentals are still there, you mm -hmm. know, opportunities there, there may be certain opportunities in certain spaces. There's, you know, probably some non-performing loans that you can get at, you know, 10 cents on the dollar right now, which is one, one thing that they highlighted. Um, you know, if, if you're, if you're buying notes at, at a huge discount, you can probably make money doing that. And right now is a good time or, you know, at least compared to uh, two years ago, it's a much better time. Let's let's put it that way. I won't say it's a good time. It's much better time than it was two years ago uh, to buy the non-performing notes, right? But uh, yeah, I mean, end, end of the day, you know, is it a reckoning? I don't know. I think the fundamentals still apply. Um, and, you know, the other, the other two have already mentioned a lot of those. So um, yeah, that's, uh, oh, and who said, uh, don't wait to buy real estate. That's me all the time, every day, every LinkedIn post. But, uh, um, originally I think it was, uh, Will Rogers, um, about a hundred years ago. Yeah. That does ring a bell. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. Our next news from Arizona's family news. Things just weren't adding up. Scammers targeting real estate agents in Payson. Apparently, somebody from outside the country, uh, for the, this one example, uh, targeted a real estate agent asking her to help list uh, some land. And uh, well, I, I, I am very, very passionate about this, that y'all mm -hmm. got to, you've got to check what you're doing. Um, it's just too easy for people to get scammed because they don't double check anything and it's not even scammers but for agents it doesn't have to be a scam it could be a seller that doesn't know what they're doing uh for instance a probate issue we just had where the seller says oh mom died i'm selling the property and the real estate agent didn't bother to ask do you even have the rights to sell this property they weren't on title they weren't on the tax deed nothing and of course we go to try to buy it and, and they don't have rights to sell it. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's not just scammers that are taking advantage of people. It's just that there's since COVID, I think our real estate agent uh, population has doubled 
because it got really easy to get a license and people had time on their hands. And of course the market was going crazy. So I think we touched on this earlier that you've got to know what you're signing. You got to know what you're doing as an agent. Um, and, and scammers are going to take advantage of, of agents, of buyers, of sellers, attorney's offices. We had a, one of our attorneys, his, his website was completely scammed and they just changed like an I to an L and you wouldn't even know it because you just look at the link and it's like, oh, yes, yeah, the same link hmm. uh, and attempted to get hundreds of thousands of dollars. And uh, guys, hmm. it's so easy for a scammer to do that, that if you're not checking and double checking where your money's going, you eventually you're going to get caught. You're going to get caught. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's, that's, that's pretty, that's pretty freaky. And, and I mean, that's why, you know, agents, it's has a fiduciary duty to their clients, right. Mm -hmm. To take care of them mm -hmm. and to go through this stuff. And I think like the article talks about, um, you know, they would only communicate via text, right. Um, yeah. never like over the phone or if there was over the phone, it was, you know, it didn't sound, didn't sound like it made sense. Right. But there's nothing in person. There's no agents. And yeah, just, you gotta look at all the different signs. And, and I think great reminder, double check, triple check who you're working with. And, and that's why it's so good to have a trusted network. And if you're working with someone that's outside of your network, you know, someone that, you know, uh, versus, you know, this, it can be really easy for people who are not in, in the business. Sad. Something that came up to my, my mind was the phrase buyer beware. You know, it's, it's always something where, um, yeah, I don't know whether they're sell selling snake oil or, or whatever. It's a buyer beware, uh, economy it's a buyer beware transaction in all cases you know i mean there, there's a couple of things that you can do to to protect yourself and a lot of the title and escrow companies you know if you're if you're engaging a title and escrow company and engaging the right professionals you know once again i'm i'm a buyer you know not so much on, on the agent side but on the buyer side you know i rely on a lot of professionals to to make sure that the transaction is going right you know and if uh, as far as, as far as I'm concerned, you know, if, if a title company does their title search, doesn't come up with anything fishy and, you know, I can, I can put title insurance on that Paul on, on that property. You know, that, that's one thing I'm doing every single time, because if, if there is a scam, you know, that title insurance company is, is going to be on the hook for, for the, for the policy. So it, like I said, buyer beware, just do everything you can to mitigate your risk upfront. And, you know, if it looks like a fish, smells like a fish and is shaped like a fish, you know, it, it's probably a fish. <laughs> Whether you like fish or not, I mean, that's up to you. Yeah. What well, a couple of things that uh, they pointed out, kind of red flags were if the seller wants to sell fast or way below market value or cash only. And then other things like, you know, only communicating by email or text not and not yeah. wanting to meet in person. So, you know, and uh, James, our, our business model, half of our business is we go and we target straight to sellers mm -hmm. uh, that oftentimes need to sell fast. They want to sell for cash quickly. Uh, don't want to go through all those hassles. And, and that's where we get our business. That's where we get 95% yeah. of our, our properties. And mm -hmm. that's, that is not the key indicator. It's, it's we have to go as the buyer, as the person who's responsible. We got to do our research and follow up and say, OK, you, you, we can't just go and send them money or, you know, 
try to buy it quick and oh it's such a good deal i gotta i gotta send money now like that's where people get in trouble as as buyers on that end you know because mm -hmm. there's a lot of cash cash buyers out there in the world and uh you they've got to be responsible for their own money as well and follow up and check the title the deeds before they start sending money because uh, i'm sure this is not the first time this has happened yeah and you know a good title company's gonna not have you wiring money uh, yes. willy-nilly they're, mm -hmm. they're taking extra steps now sending yeah. you an email maybe having yeah. to call in that kind of thing so yeah. yeah well hey guys let's take another break for our next sponsor Cool. It's me again, Antonio Holman, founder of United States Real Estate Investor and producer of This Month in Real Estate Investing. You know, one of the best ways to increase your company's brand awareness and increase warm leads is to create written content online. But as we know, content creation can be very time consuming and not very cost effective when having to pay professional copywriting fees. It's time to use REI Content Packs. REI Content Packs, Done For You Content Packs, give you the tools, flexibility, and cost-effective way to increase your brand's visibility and online presence without spending hours or even days stressing on what to create. REI Content Packs are a collection of high-quality, ready-made real estate blog articles exclusively created for the real estate investing industry. Can you imagine the possibilities if you could do two to three more deals per month without increasing your ad spend? REI Content Packs can help you do that. Can you imagine getting unlimited online traffic, increasing your Google ranking, getting more leads, and making more money? REI Content Packs can help you do that too. To get started increasing your brand's content and lessening your workload, head on over to thismonthinrealestateinvesting.com slash REI Content Packs. That's thismonthinrealestateinvesting.com forward slash REI Content Packs. It's time to get off the online marketing hamster wheel. Try REI Content Packs today at thismonthinrealestateinvesting.com slash REI Content Packs. Now back to James and This Month in Real Estate Investing. All right, back to the show. From Benzinga, first quarter home flipping improves, but is still near lowest level since 2000. Wow. Andrew, what do you think? Well, I can tell you this. We've been watching some articles on home flipping um, as, as we do that as well in our business, and we have clients that do that. And I was just trying to find it so I could reference it, but... Uh, one of the ones that was out last week, it was to the tune of basically most flippers are losing money right now. Mm -hmm. So, so whatever metric it was, they were buying it. If they bought it last year, so the last two quarters of last year, mm -hmm. this first two quarters of this year is when those flips were selling, are selling. And it was pretty astounding. And, and it actually made us feel a little better. Like, Hey, we're not the only ones not making money on flips today. <laughs> so, um, uh, it's it's tons of it was a, a large percentage it was way more than it has ever been seen where they are the flippers are letting the property go for less than or very close to what they paid for it which goes to show that you know basically the market has changed if you bought it last year you had an idea of what it would be worth this year and that's not necessarily the case so that's that's pretty interesting article to go with the fact that flipping is is coming back so you know I, I think it is coming back because i think now people 
understand where the market is going. Mm -hmm. um, one thing that that we don't like in real estate is uncertainty. And mm -hmm. we've been very uncertain since, you know, what, October, mm -hmm. September, October, whatever it was. So certainty is kind of coming back. It doesn't have to be great market. It doesn't have to be a terrible market. But if we at least know where it's going and kind of have an idea of the highs and the lows, I think uh, flippers get back in the game and that's where we are. Nope. Yeah, I think the only thing I, I would add to that is, is I think that's very spot on, Andrew. And, um, you know, a lot of people were wondering, like with pricing after COVID, mm -hmm. right? Like these prices got insane. For, for materials, supplies, and then just labor. And I think a lot of folks are going, okay, let's just simmer down a little bit and see, wait for these to come back down. And then a lot of folks are realizing that they're not. And, you know, and then some some are, certain areas are in, in, in segments have come down a little bit. Um, but, you know, I, we're just kind of in a whole new pricing world. And I think some people are going, okay, this is kind of the new world. And we have to sharpen our pencils and we have to make sure we've got really good deals. Of course, there's just a lack of inventory out there to begin with. And then so, um, you know, the days of we can go over budget and take longer and our hard money costs are cheaper. Um, they're not quite what they used to be. And so I think people are going to really be digging in a little bit more up front. Yeah. yeah now, I, I've never flipped a home, um, but, you know, a couple of points, you know, here is. You know, there there's economic swings. We all know that, you know, it, there, there's this this cyclical nature of the economy when when economy and, and home prices are on the upswing. It's a lot easier to flip. You know, if, if you know that there's appreciation in the market um, or you expect there's going to be a lot of appreciation in the market, you know, it's a, it's a pretty good time to try to flip. Um, <clears throat> one thing that, you know, comparing this to commercial multifamily, I mean, when you're flipping, you buy one asset, you have one person. I mean, it, it's a single family home in most cases and you're not getting any income. You know, one reason that I prefer multifamily over single family is, you know, we do, you know, our version of flips on, on multifamily and, you know, we can, if we have a hundred unit apartment complex, we can renovate 10 units at a time and still have a 90% occupancy, you know? So there, there, there's a lot of extra safety there, which by the way, is like I said, is, is the biggest reason that I gravitated towards multifamily from single family. But, uh, um, you know, something else, you know, and just in, in general, you know, I like to come in with a very flexible exit plan, you know, on, on our investments. And I think, you know, if, if you only have one potential exit, which is sell and make a profit, you know, if the economy, if the real estate market doesn't, doesn't agree with your plan, you know, it's not going to work. So, you know, I, I'd like to build a lot of flexibility in, which means, you know, I, I need to be able to hold for, for a longer period, uh, which, which goes into what type of loan that I choose for, um, you know, the renovations and the flip process, you know, in, in multifamily from, I don't know, probably 2015 all the way up to, you know, a year and a half ago, you know, a lot of people could buy, do some cheap renovations, turn around and make a, a big chunk of change. Um, right now, that's not really happening as much um, because the market isn't appreciating like it was a couple of years ago. Some places prices are declining, some places you know, prices are holding steady, but, you know, end of the day, just know that anytime you're doing something like that short term, that depends on the market. Um, you're, you're putting a little bit more, there's a lot more incurred risk um, than if you were to do like a long-term investment. It's interesting. Yeah. Um, talking about having only one exit of selling, mm -hmm. uh, you know, like Jesse and I are in, in the lease option space, 
I was getting calls starting last fall from flippers that were like, Oh crap, I can't sell this thing. And what options do you have? Do you have any lease option buyers for us? And Mm -hmm. the problem was most of the ones they were in trouble with were the real high end ones. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, that's where yeah. flippers get in trouble. They're not in that median yeah. and uh, they were okay or at least break even on the median price ones. But yeah. I was like, wish I could help, you know, <laughs> those, those carrying costs yeah. are a lot higher. The buyers, yeah. there's a lot fewer yeah. of them. Right. Yeah. Yep. And uh, you know, and this is a nice kind of reminder for, for us, James, the way we do a lot of our business with our hybrid investing system we're not buying anything without knowing what the end price is ever. Mm-hmm. So, right. Instead of saying, I'm going to go buy this at 300 and I sure hope to heck I sell it for 400, <laughs> but I don't know who my buyer is. I don't know when it's going to happen. And I don't know if it's going to, you know, there's a whole bunch of variables and sometimes they work and sometimes they don't. But with, with our program, we already have the buyer lined up. We know that they're willing to pay five. Well, I'm going to go buy it at four all day long if they're going to pay five. Um, and I'm not going to buy it unless they're agreeing up front to pay what they're going to pay. Mm-hmm. And so the risk is incredibly mitigated that way and get some cash flow for the next two to three years as well, like a landlord, and then get that flip without swinging a hammer. Cause let's be honest, these, these hands don't do work. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, mine either. I wish they could. They can't. Yep. <laughs> My toilet still leaks. I tried to fix it and it's still leaking. So oh, man. yeah, I'm in the same boat. I, I, I tell people, this is my toolbox. Money clip and the phone. That's it. So I fix stuff. That's it. Problem solver. Problem solver. Yep. Let's jump into our next one. Unless you had something to say, Andrew. No, we're good. Okay. Uh, from Fortune, <clears throat> commercial real estate gets even bleaker with sixty-four billion in property now classified as distressed. <laughs> they mentioned maturing debt, which we talked about. Uh, retail and office space were kind of the big ones that got hit. So, anything to add, guys? Yeah. Since it, I, I guess since this is the commercial one, I'll, I'll hop on it first. Um, you know, most most operators. Um, I mean, when you get debt, you, you know what the maturity date is. All right. Um, a lot of people, even even when they had this variable, the variable rate loans. You know, a lot of people bought rate caps. You know, and that that rate cap insurance is is going to essentially, you know, put a cap on what you're going to pay on properties. And the rate cap policies come with an expiration date as well. You know, so. Yeah, there, there there are a lot of distressed properties out there, and it, it depends on what their what their definition is of distressed. But um, I think most operators, and th- this is why I don't think there's going to be a bloodbath. I think most operators are very aware of you know how much time is left on this this supposed ticking time bomb, mm-hmm. right? So a lot of people are able able to position themselves and exit you know prior to that loan you know resetting coming due that rate cap expiring or whatever um there are are always going to be exceptions you know i know you know one group that uh you know knew that their rate cap was expiring knew that things were going to go up and so they tried to sell it you know a good eight months prior to they had one buyer back out um they they put it back on the market found a second buyer the second buyer backed out and you know, by the time they 
the second buyer backed out, they didn't have a lot of time left to, to be able to, you know, find a new buyer. So, I mean, in, in cases like those, you know, you're, you're going to see, you know, fire sales. Um, these guys did a cash in refinance that uh, did a capital call, capital call came out of pocket. But uh, I mean, end of the day, I think most commercial real estate operators um, see the writing on the wall and they're positioning themselves um, to, to mitigate their losses or to, um, I mean, right, right now, a lot of them don't care about profits anymore. What they care about is, um, you know, reducing the, the risk of loss and, you know, trying to, you come away with as much as they can. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think like we talked about earlier, most of the, most of those, they, they know it's coming. And, and I think about the group and I can't think of the name out of Texas that just mm -hmm. let, three, I think three properties, multifamily properties just go uh, because they, they knew they were in bad and, and there's probably a lot more that goes into that. And I'm sure we'll see more about it, but uh, you know, it's not, it's not a secret for, mm -hmm. for most of those uh, for the commercial stuff. Uh, there's a lot more people involved, you know, when you look at single family homes distressed. That's really different from, multifamily or commercial distress because as you know um, Brian that most of the commercial has mm -hmm. a lot of people involved and you can do capital calls mm -hmm. the single family home distressed property doesn't have that luxury to to do a capital call you know call your cousins or something for help uh, so that's why it's not um, that I, I'm not really concerned about it and, and really it's kind of a small piece to the overall uh, commercial market so it's not my it's not my space, to, but the headline and the stuff in the article, it's it's just kind of confirming what we already know for me. And I think that most of the commercial investors are, are ready for that. And there's probably somebody sitting on the sideline waiting to pick up a few of these. <laughs> um, I, I just did a quick Google search. Um, I mean, 64 billion seems like a large number. Um, but there's 4.5 trillion in in total debt on these properties. So mm. we're talking about a whopping, you know, um, let's see, get my decimal in the right spot. <laughs> um, I think this is uh, one and a half percent. Right. Wait, That's is that a, a headline that's supposed to look worse than it is? <laughs> <laughs> no way. No. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I, I got nothing to add. I think we're covered. Yeah, me neither. So, <laughs> a, a single family, guys. Uh, all right, from Fortune, Supreme Court won't hear floor plan copying. So, uh, NAR's standpoint is that the court's ruling mis misrepresents federal law and would invalidate decades of legal precedent by allowing copyright infringement lawsuits to be filed against homeowners who make or display floor plans on their own homes so uh, who's the attorney in the room <laughs> yeah yeah i you know i was reading i had to read a few times to figure out like what exactly they were talking yeah. about but but in i think in practice what actually happens is people will use these 3d cameras uh, we've been using them for years and go through and make a floor plan and that goes along with the pictures out here on the mls right that that is practically what happens. I think the people that are saying no are the ones who 
maybe the architects or the engineers yeah. that are drawing and they're they're producing a product. Um, I would see them not wanting their work, their uh, you know the actual floor plan that maybe is at the county or something like that. I would see them not wanting their product out there mm-hmm. because they were paid to build a specific house to draw a specific floor plan. They were not paid um, reproduction rights or whatever, you know, that is, I'm not the attorney. Uh, So I I think in practicality, I don't think we have to worry about getting sued. Uh, They'll figure this out. Yeah. I'm glad the Supreme court doesn't hear it. I mean, I don't, I don't know the legalities. I mean, when when you hire an architect to, to draw plans for you and build a house for you, I would expect that if I'm paying the architect and I'm paying for the house, the end of the day, I own the floor yeah, plan. hundred percent. I mean, so, I mean, there, there may be cases where that's not true, but yeah, I'm, I'm glad the Supreme court just said, yeah, we're not even going to look at this. No. And these are just screenshots, you know, just yeah. no, nothing detailed where you can take that data yeah. and go copy I mean, that. Building know? plans might be a little different, you yeah. know, but uh, um, yeah. Just, just the the floor plan. Eh, I better own. I, mean, I better own the floor plan to my own house. Yeah. Well, and, and to kind of like you mentioned before, Brian, with, you know, buyer beware. Again, there's a lot of moving parts into a real estate transaction, whether it's residential or commercial. So just having those conversations with people about what is mm-hmm. you know, rights to yours and what's not, and yeah. is always a good thing. Yeah. All right. Let's jump into the next one. Uh, from Business Insider, it's a cruel, unpredictable summer for Airbnb and VRBO hosts, but it also might be the new normal. Jesse, you just bought a, another one, didn't you? Three. <laughs> Three? All, yeah. All, all in one shot? Yeah. Oh, okay. Wisconsin yeah. Dells, right? Yeah. 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 Okay. Nice. Was, um, yeah, one's a hybrid deal. One is... Um... One was seller financing and then one is a normal deal. So mm-hmm. one out of three is normal. <laughs> wow. But yeah. It's, you know, it's, I think there was a big pent up demand with COVID for people mm-hmm. to want to get the heck out of the house, right? See people again, live life again, um, get the fresh air and, and get outside and get off their butts and stop watching reality TV. And that was a huge surge. And then so many folks, you know, were renting out their homes and so many more properties came on the market. And now people are getting back to either you have a job again, right? You have an office you have to report to, um, maybe even a few days a week, or you know that um, the demand has just kind of waned a little bit. And it does seem that that is the case. And again, I think you know, whenever whenever you hear things are going down or getting worse, right? That there's always a good side to that because the people that shouldn't be doing it are going to get out of the game. Right. Mm-hmm. The people just picking any piece of real estate that is a piece of junk and they don't care. They're not putting any time and effort and, 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 and positiveness into it. You know, you're not going to you're not going to just cash flow thousands per month. Um, and I think it really goes to where do you where do people want to be? You know, a mm-hmm. lot of times people will, will ask me about investing in certain cities and urban areas. I say, you know, what? I, I'm not your guy for that. I can't give you a lot of good help because I don't have any there. And, and I don't want 20 you know college kids paying, you know, $30 a night to have party in my house, you know, that's nowhere near something. So most of my properties are all in vacation areas that are strong, strong demand. 
And I think you got to be a little more careful with where you're shopping because I think there's a lot of truth to this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, so this goes back to, my, oh, sorry. Go ahead, Andrew. Go ahead, Brian. Oh, okay. Uh, so I was going to say this I'll, goes back go to, <laughs> we got a delay. Rock, paper, scissors. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'll talk. I'm talking. All right. So I, I would share with you guys my background was hotel management. I, I don't think I mentioned that earlier. And so I spent uh, over 10, 12 years managing hotels. And so when uh, I was buying real estate the whole way, I said I would never, ever, ever do Airbnb because guests, um, I love everybody who's a guest because I travel too, but we all lose our brains the moment we pack <laughs> our suitcases. And I don't know right. what that is, but I, I was like, I don't want to deal with someone that forgot a toothbrush or whatever. They can't figure out how to flush the toilet. So I swore it off, but now we have some <laughs> because we have a manager in place. But what you said, uh, Jesse was right there at the end was spot on. And this is what we talk about here is it seemed like such a great thing to do Airbnb and all the news articles, like everyone should Airbnb. Well, everyone has tried it. And now we're going to see who sticks around. Um, so the ones that are doing it, they they thought that this would be fun. They're quickly finding out it's not fun. They thought they'd make a ton of money. They're going to realize uh, once once there's more availability, you're not really going to make a ton of money. Um, and it, it boils down to the fact that hotels are here and have made a lot of money and built a lot of hotels for a reason, because they are convenient. They're easy. They're they're not easy, but they're systematically run. They're efficient. And people, when they travel, they like that consistency. They like to know what they're getting. So in the city centers, um, even the vacation areas, the hotels are are back. They're back. They are filling up. Airbnb is not as um, as in demand. But if same thing goes that you're in those vacation areas, Jesse, Airbnb didn't make those vacation areas, uh, their homes popular for rental. So we're here, we have the beach and the, the beach rentals have always been houses. They've always been rented by the week uh, since the eighties, since I was a baby and we've been going there and that's not going to change. So mm-hmm. stick to where the demand is going, which is the vacation spots, the unique spots where you just, there is no hotel. There's no other option. You got a nice, unique property. So that's where, that's my soapbox. I could talk all day on it. I'll get off now. <laughs> yeah, I dig I it, mean, man. The only thing, the only thing I'll add is, you know, it, it is very cyclical. I've, I've brought this up a couple of times already, but you know, when when the economy isn't doing well, when people aren't, you know, are, are having to stretch to pay their normal bills. Um, they're not going to go stay in Airbnbs or hotels, right? So um, whether or not, I mean, my, my biggest point is, is this the new normal or is this really just part of the cycle? Um, it, it's probably just part of the cycle. You know, we, we saw um, a year ago, we talked about the office being converted, you know, a year, two years ago, there's a lot of hotel to multifamily conversions and there still are, you know, so I think this is more of a, of a cyclical thing than the, the new normal, but you know, I am not in the hospitality space. So those are just my guesses. Well, and, and, and one thing I want to just add to that too, I think, because it, it's a lot of what I do and a lot of what I spend my time on 
and um, again, buying creatively. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm doing um, one of them with no money down, right? I'm using uh, OPM on one seller financing. Uh, another one is, you know, with a partner who wants to put in more capital, but they don't know how to do the work. So, you know, I did, I did a podcast, a podcast on this a few months ago, basically, right? There's folks who have money, but not a lot of time. There's folks who have a lot mm-hmm. of time, but they don't have money. There's folks who don't have money or time and there's folks who have both. And so mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of ways to collaborate on stuff like this. Um, and, you know, it mentioned the, the headaches and hassles of dealing with, you know, annoying travelers, right? And, and that can be all of us, right? Because y- y- your brain does melt. Um, when you all of a sudden are on vacation, but you don't have to do that. So I think it's a nice reminder folks is there's still ways to own these properties and you don't have to deal with that stuff. There's someone else, just make sure the numbers still pencil out. And I kind of go with a, um, a pendulum of um, vacation rental ownership, right? Some people I talk to, they're like, Jesse, I just don't want to make a payment. I went home in Florida or in the desert or in the mountains by the lake. I just don't want to ever make a payment. And if I can do that, I'm a happy camper. And other people say, I don't care where the heck it is. It could be Kansas, Delaware, doesn't matter. It's got to kill it and make a bunch of money. So what are you doing going into it, right? What's your goals? And then I think second, um, one thing too is um, the bigger properties are always going to do better. Mm-hmm. The places that I have that sleep 10, 12, 14 people, you're not doing that in a hotel. And in a hotel, mm-hmm. that's a lot of money, right? But if I'm trying to compete with the Hilton down the street and I've got a, a studio, Hilton's probably going to kick my butt unless I'm really on my game. Yeah. Yeah. I think the article mentioned kind of the median size homes were getting hit, but definitely the, the higher end, more rooms were yeah. the, the good ones. Yeah. And I was going to point out too, like Jesse, you've got a team that handles all the nitty gritty stuff. <laughs> and and they're, they're awesome. In fact, do you like that team's available for other people if they wanted to get in and, and hire them, right? Yeah. So yep. we, we have a virtual training team, um, international, and they're doing stuff right in my backyard and in other states. And we've got a really cool way where we can we can help other hosts who want to either get into it or get that off their plate. And then we also even have a training program where we can kind of get their team on board if they want to take it over. But yeah, it's one of the biggest objections I hear a lot is, is well, uh, you know, there's no way I could deal with this because I'm in this city and it's this city. And yeah. I don't own anything within less than four hours of me. Everything I own is four hours to 24 hour drive. <laughs> so, um, but there's, there's somebody there, right. Who, not how great book. Mm-hmm. There's somebody in all those areas that can handle the stuff. And if they can't handle it, I've got a backup ready in place for that person. And mm-hmm. certain markets, I've got three backups, other markets I'm dealing with the one, right. Cause it's rural and I've got the, the guy or the gal. Um, but yeah, you know, that's, gets a little tricky too. <laughs> But, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, you don't have to worry about doing it all yourself necessarily, but you do got to keep tabs on it. And if it's not you, it's got to be somebody. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I remember reading a stat. <clears throat> I think most Airbnb hosts bail after about a year just because they realize how much work it is. And I did that too. Um, There's nothing host. passive about it. No, no. <laughs> nothing <laughs> passive uh, unless your management is completely done. And then you're still saying, oh, why am I buying new dishes this month? Uh, and uh, am I reimbursing you or am I just going to ship them to you? <laughs> no. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Thinking about the, if you're, if you're not willing to do it, what are your other options? What's it going to cost you? Yeah. You know, or sell it, whatever, turn it back into long-term, 
you got all those those options but yeah, yeah. be aware that it's it is not easy yeah yeah but can be very profitable can <laughs> yeah <laughs> all right let's jump into our fun news item <laughs> cbs news four volunteers just entered a virtual mars made by nasa they won't come back for one year i, I think they were going to do three three uh phases of that yeah testing uh their psychological and physiological stuff so yeah i mean when i, when I first uh saw the headline um and this may may show my age i immediately thought of like the 1980s movie total recall and i'm like mm -hmm. i think we've oh, yeah. seen this one before but uh <laughs> after reading the the article it sounds a lot more like that the matt damon won mars which you know is, is a great book by the way um the uh, the book is in like like most books far better than the movie, but yeah, hmm. interesting. Um, I don't know, may, maybe uh, there's a, there's a good opportunity to do invest in real estate in Mars on the future, but I think mm -hmm. uh, you know what I said about you know investing internationally might still apply here. <laughs> Another level <laughs> higher. Than... Yeah, uh, I, I want to put Airbnbs up there. <laughs> do it. Do it. <laughs> right. Got you, got, you got the management team. Right. Yeah. You put a, a 50 unit up there. Let's rock and roll, right? Yeah. And just have some boots on the ground up there to manage it, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Cleaners, though. I heard cleaners are tough to find on Mars. Mm. <laughs> yes. They're, they're tough make sure, here, make sure right? all your furniture is red, you know, and that way you're not even going to notice the dirt. Right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. It's a good one. Yeah. It, I think it'd be interesting to see how many people could do that, though. I mean, that's a pretty amazing test when you think about it, right? Um, I mean, just a year commitment doing anything is insane. Yeah. But then something that yeah. crazy and outside the box, um, it's it's oh, yeah. it's cool. You know, mm -hmm. it'd, it'd be really fun to see the before and afters of those people <laughs> uh, and, and wow. what they what they really took away from it. Yeah, I think it's crazy. And, and it opens up because we're in here talking about real estate. You know, I start thinking about mm -hmm. the moon, Mars, eventually somebody's going to find some reason to be there and who's going to own it. <laughs> you know, is it, are we divvying this thing up? Are we buying pieces? Who are we buying it from? Yeah. You know, this is going to be interesting. I don't think we'll be around for it. Uh, but as, as we kind of dream a little. Yeah. yeah. Is, it, is it like the South pole? Everybody gets a little sliver and then you've got yeah. the Japan yeah, flag sure. and the American flag and the Italians or. I mean, I mean, the next question is, you know, it's like, you know, is this going to be like, uh, you know, the colonization of the new world many, many years ago where it's, you know, a big open land grab or mm -hmm. are we going to just, yeah. you know, say, hey, you know what, let's just let's divide everything up by population, you know, and China's like, I mean, that's that's probably China's argument and, yeah. you know, argument, yeah. well, let's divide everything up by GDP, you know, or let's divide everything up by capability to get there, you know, or whatever. But yeah, it's. Yeah. That's a good question there. Um, yeah. On another note, I mean, um, 378 days sounds like, you know, the, the typical length of a, you know, military deployment to Iraq or Afghanistan in the, in the, in the 2000s. And um, geez, all I got to say is no thanks, you know, unless somebody else. <laughs> um, yeah. Sitting in a desert for, for 378 days, you know, might, might trigger my PTSD. So yeah, I'll let somebody else do that. Yeah, I'm sure yeah. they'll get some results on the psychology side of that, yeah. huh? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, this is kind of interesting. Um, 
we use chat GPT and pose the question, is it possible to terraform Mars to make it livable by humans? And <clears throat> the answer was terraforming Mars is a theoretical concept with methods including releasing Mars frozen carbon dioxide mm -hmm. to thicken the atmosphere or importing volatile chemicals. Mm -hmm. However, a lack of accessible carbon dioxide and the absence of a protective magnetic field make it currently unfeasible. Even if possible, the process could take hundreds to thousands of years. Further technical, technological advancements and discoveries may change this understanding. So no, thanks for chat. I think ChatGPT might get that wrong because if you if you go to the end of that Total Recall movie, I mean, <laughs> as soon as they 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 vaporize all of that polar ice, I mean, it, everything works. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I think yeah, ChatGPT doesn't have this one. <laughs> <laughs> let, let Elon Musk figure it out. You know, he'll he'll have a solution in three years. Right, right. There's gonna be a charging station before we know it. <laughs> space shuttle charging station with those battery packs craziness yeah well this was awesome guys that's our show for the month I'd like to thank our sponsors Jason Pallister's two day investment blueprint and REI content packs again thanks to our guests uh, go ahead and let people know how they can connect with you guys and uh, we'll go from there you want to go in, in order brian jesse right. andrew yeah sure thing so um best best place to to connect is linkedin you know i'm i, I spend a lot of time there um the website for us is streamlinecapitalgroup.com uh, i'm an apartment investor always looking for people who who want to invest with us in these apartment complexes um if you want to talk to me specifically about you know investing in apartments you know send me a connection request or a dm on linkedin um, or you can go to the website, you know, there, there's a form to fill out where you can set up a call. Um, I also have a coaching program that, uh, that I run as well, where I help people um, in, learn how to buy multifamily and how to syndicate. And uh, yeah, interested in that, you know, same thing, LinkedIn, hit the connection button and send me a DM. Awesome. Um, so for me guys, you can connect with me pretty much on any social handle at the Jesse Mills, T H E Jesse Mills, J E S S E. There's no I in there. Cause I'm a man, not a woman. T H E J E S S E M I L L S at the Jesse Mills anywhere. Um, and my website is www.thejessemills.com. You can go there and basically the people in my world are folks who want to get into real estate investing. Uh, but want to mm -hmm. really have a lot of the headaches and hassles of being landlord eliminated, want to make the profits of flipping a home without having to swing a hammer. And we have a really cool system where we teach you how to take the benefits of both, combine them without all the headaches and hassles and BS. Uh, you profit three ways. It's pretty cool. And we help people get home ownership who can't get regular bank financing right now. Um, and we have a system to teach this as well. So if you're, um, doing something in real estate and it's not working for you, you're not having enough fun, spending too much money on leads and marketing, um, you know, we'd love to chat with you more about it and see if it's a fit for you. And again, at thejessemills.com. I do have a podcast as well, if I could throw that out there, sure. The Creative Cash Flow Show hmm. uh, as well. Can I, can, I get, can I get a mulligan and pitch my podcast too? I forgot about that. Um, 
Diary of an Apartment Investor. If you're looking, watching this, there it is. There's oh, the yeah. logo right there behind me. Um, and it is about, guess what? Apartment investing. Amazing. <laughs> Thanks. Cool. Uh, all right. I'll go. Um, Andrew Lucas, the, my handle is actually the Andrew R. Lucas at most of the um, social medias. But if you go to dealfindersclub.com forward slash uh, links, that's got all of my contact information, all the YouTube, TikTok, even all the guy, all that stuff is right there. Um, we do help people get started in real estate investing. So we have some information there. Uh, and this has been great, guys. I, I've enjoyed it. This has kind of piqued my interest and kind of got me thinking. So I hope it's been good for everybody out there listening. And uh, yeah, if anybody needs help, look forward to you reaching out. Fantastic. Thanks again, guys. Also, thanks to our producer, Antonio Holman with United States Real Estate Investor. Follow and subscribe to This Month in Real Estate Investing on YouTube at youtube.com slash at United States REI or your favorite podcast app. If you run across any interesting news, events, good guest ideas, etc., feel free to share uh, by emailing Antonio at Antonio at United States Real Estate Investor.com. I think that's correct. Um, and remember, when one door closes, another door opens to financial freedom. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having us.